Bobby, where are you? I don't see him either. Bobby. Pat, do you see Bobby back there? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We've got a week before Christmas. Everybody ready? Woo. All right. I'm ready. It is a wonderful, amazing, beautiful day to praise our Savior. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and let us worship him.
shackles but by the sins that's kind of tear us up and hold us down and cause us all kinds of grief but because of 2020 some years ago the birth of Jesus Christ and his perfect life and death burial and resurrection we are freed from those shackles so praise the Lord for that our father in heaven we come to you thankful this morning thankful so much for what Jesus means to each one of us father I pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't know Christ and the deliverance that he can give them, that today would be the day they would be made free, really free indeed, free from the problem of sin, free from the penalty of sin, and one day even free from the very presence of sin. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for blessing us. Meet with us now. Be with our people that are on the road, that are off to see family and friends, faraway places. God, give them safety and bring them back, we pray, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you and be seated. It should be plenty of room because we have a lot of people that are out of town. So you can kind of spread out, you know, if you need to take a little nap, uh, stretch out in a whole row. It's kind of like a plane that's not quite full. So go ahead and make yourself at home. If you are a first-time guest here at First Baptist Church, we all love you and love having you here. Take one of these connection cards in the seat back in front of you. And please take a few minutes. Fill it out. We will not hassle you. I promise you. We just want to know who's here today and thankful that you've come to visit with us. If you do have a question or maybe uh, something, a prayer request or whatever, you can fill that out in the back. And what do you do with it once you get it filled out? You can give it to us or you can put it in the 
box that's on a little stand right to the left of the double doors. That's where our members put their tithes and offerings. And you as a guest, just fill out this card and put it in there. By the way, uh, our treasurer requests anybody who wants to have uh, a special offering before the end of the year, go ahead and take care of that as quickly as possible. The ideal time would be no later than next Sunday. Uh, that would help her in, in her particular job, if you could do that. So we're glad you're here today. We're going to be preaching on a couple of titles of uh, our Savior, Wonderful and Counselor, both of which are amazing, I think. And then a military meal will follow out on the patio. So if you're active military, be sure to stick around. We'll have some food for you. Check out our bulletin for Bible studies held this week. I know we're in kind of holiday mode, so not everything's meeting. Be sure to check. Right now, today, our teen department is meeting on the patio. So if you are a teenager and you would like to go be with some teens, they're out on the patio over to my left. Go ahead and do that right now. Christmas Eve candlelight service will be held on Christmas Eve. How about that for originality? It'll be at uh, this coming Saturday night. It'll be at 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Hopefully it'll be dark by the time we get ready to light candles. And uh, so, but we invite you to come be part of that. You might have noticed some canned goods out on the out in the front. Uh, we've got some there and some in the office that have been brought in. We, we're doing a, a real quick food drive. Uh, so uh, Nadia is going to be taking this to needy families. So if you would like to bring anything this week, all week long, and by next Sunday, bring it and we'll pile it up out here and then we'll make sure it gets to needy families so they have plenty to eat, hopefully, on uh, this Christmas season. Next Sunday uh, is Christmas Sunday. Someone says, are you going to have church on Christmas Sunday? Not having church on Christmas Sunday, guys, it's like celebrating an anniversary by avoiding your wife all day long. <laughs> it is a no-go. I promise you, don't do that. So we're going to, yeah, it's, I mean, whose birthday is it we're celebrating? Yeah, I think it's Jesus, right? So, hey, come to his house, and we'll praise him together. We'll glorify him together. We'll worship him together because of who he is to us. We'll be preaching on the Prince of Peace. Teachers and workers still needed in all classes. See us if you're interested in that or use the connection card. Uh, and I, I don't know, is, um, is Carrie Boatwright here this morning? Carrie Boatwright. We have a, another new member, and we got that filled out. So we'll get that to her when she gets here. Let's uh, stand once again continue to worship our Lord in song this morning.
Amen. Thank you, praise team. Thank you so much. You may be seated in the auditorium. Ask the boys and girls to come up here to the front, moms and dads, uh, and aunts and uncles and everybody else. Turn to the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. But boys and girls, come on down here to the front. And a lot of the boys and girls are out of town too, but we've got these boys and girls that are here today, and I'm glad to have them with us. How many of you, how many of you know what a counselor is? That's kind of a hard, hard, hard word. Anybody know what a counselor is? Do you know what it means to give advice? You know what it is? What is it? Yeah, like someone trying to help you out and making a decision, so giving you some advice, some wise advice. Let me ask you a couple of questions, because one of the names of God is counselor. He's a wonderful counselor, and so he's the best one ever. If you were having car trouble and your car wouldn't start, would you go ask a gymnast, gymnastic teacher how to, how to work on the car? Yeah? Oh, you're in gymnastics. Good. Well, maybe you would then. I don't know. Maybe... <laughs> You're not in gymnastics. Okay, so you wouldn't do that. If you had a toothache, would you go to a mechanic? I have a toothache. Oh, you have a toothache. All right. I'm batting 100 here right now. If you had a mouse in your house, would you go to a Disneyland employee for help? Oh, a car place that fixes cars. That would be a lot better. If you, go, if you broke your arm, would you go to an artist to ask him to help you fix your arm? Not really, yeah. You would go to the doctor because they would not. So the point is, if you need help in a certain area, you go to someone who's a specialist in that area. So boys and girls, I'm going to tell you something that will help you the rest of your entire lives, okay? This is important, so remember this right now. Put it in your brain right now. The thing is, the very best person in the whole wide world to give you advice and direction and counsel is God. He's the very, very, very best person in the whole world. In fact, he says, if you need advice, if you need wisdom, then ask of him because he gives it to everyone liberally. He gives you all of the advice that you possibly need. And a lot of it is right here in his word. In fact, the, Matthew says, if we ask for certain things, God will give it to us. If we knock on the door, it will be opened unto us. If we seek, we will find. And so always, always, always go to God to get help and to get advice and to get answers for the problems of life, okay? Does that sound good? Does that sound okay to you? Yeah? Does that sound okay to you? You? Yeah? 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 Okay. Well, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for the blessings that you give to us, Lord. You're an amazing God. You're a wonderful counselor, almighty God, prince of peace. Father, you're the one that we celebrate who came to this earth 2,000 years ago so that we could be set free from sin and the shackles that would otherwise imprison us. Father, bless these boys and girls. May they always turn to you for advice. We pray in Jesus' name. And all the boys and girls said, amen. All right, go ahead and go to your classes right over here. Thank you for being here. God's kingdom will last forever. Boy's going to be a preacher right there. There you go. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us, what? A child is born and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, and here it is, here's the name, it's, it's kind of a title for us, but it's, it says right here, it's a name, Wonderful, comma, Counselor, so it's not really Wonderful Counselor, it's Wonderful 
comma, counselor, comma, the mighty God, comma, the everlasting father, comma, the prince of peace. Now with that one verse comes a flurry of titles and names for our, our great God. Last week we mentioned the mighty God in connection with Emmanuel, his God among us, or God sent with us. Uh, from Isaiah now, we know that the, Messiah, that the Messiah rather will be born as a baby. He will be a baby boy. He will be a son. And that goes right along with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten what? Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So uh, John 3.16 affirms this event that uh, Isaiah was prophesying hundreds of years before Christ came. And, and this, this baby boy was the son of Mary and the son of Almighty God. The words, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, might be something kind of sounding strange, but it was a reference to the future righteous reign uh, of this prophesied baby boy, the son of Almighty God, the Father. And, uh, an epaulet was often on the shoulders of governors showing their office, their high office, just as it sometimes is on officers in our military now. So someone would see that epaulet and they would say, that's, that's a governor uh, of, of our region or a country or whatever. And so the government shall be upon his shoulder one day, and his name shall be, and let's, let's look at the first one, his name shall be called Wonderful. So the word wonderful, now first of all, the Hebrew word translated into the English wonderful uh, has a special meaning. It means extraordinary. It means hard to explain or hard uh, to understand fully. There's, there's a, it's, a, it's pregnant with all kinds of, of meaning. Wonderful. The English word wonderful is a combination of two English words, wonder and full. So he is full of wonder. Uh, literally, his name is full of wonder. He's fully marvelous. He's fully astonishing. He is so amazing that we can't totally comprehend uh, all about him. His name is clearly understood in Isaiah's prophecy. However, I discovered in studying for this message something that I didn't know prior to this, and I love it when I learn things. You know, it's just like uh, you can preach the Word of God for 50 years, and you still learn things every time you study the Word of God. So it's, it's not like you can exhaust the book ever. But I found out that, that, that this, there's this name that's also hidden in an Old Testament passage. And in Judges chapter 13, verses 17 and 18, we find this hidden name. Let me give you a little background to it. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah, not Noah, but Manoah, the future father of the strongest man who ever lived, Samson, this angel informed Manoah that his barren wife would have a son. Even though she had not produced any children, she was going to have a son. So that takes us to Judges chapter 13, verse 17. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord. So this, this guy just been given this revelation. Your wife who hasn't been able to conceive and have children, she's going to have children. She's going to have a son anyhow. She's going to have a child. And, and so Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name that when your sayings come to pass, and that shows Faith, by the way, shows belief in what this angel of the Lord had told him. When, when your sayings come to pass that we may do you honor, we so, somehow may honor you, we can say the, the angel of the Lord, whose name is, he's hoping he's going to give it to him, uh, would, be, would receive the honor and the praise and the glory. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, why do you ask about my name, seeing it is secret? Seeing it is secret. So we look at this a little bit closer. Do you remember... Uh, a few weeks ago, we studied about 
um, the angel of the Lord and who the angel of the Lord is in the Old Testament. Remember that? The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is most often uh, the pre-incarnate son of God because Jesus did not come into being 2,022 years ago or thereabouts. He already existed. He was, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the, is the Son of Almighty God from eternity past, and, and the Holy Spirit and the Son and the Father have always existed. So this angel of the Lord quite often is the pre-incarnate Christ. And here this, we call it a theophany. God revealing himself in, in a physical form. This theophany appears to Manoah, delivering this unexpected news. And going deeper, we find that the English word secret in, in the Hebrew here means wonderful. He is telling him, my name is secret. My name is wonder-filled. So we look at the verse 19, and Manoah took a kid. I guess we need to clarify this. It wasn't a little child he took, okay? It was a goat. A young goat. He took uh, a kid with a meat offering and offered it upon a rock unto the Lord, and the angel did wondrously. And in verse 22b, Manoah then remarks to his wife, we have seen God. So the name uh, of this, this angel of, of the Lord, this theophany, this, this appearance, pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, was secret, was wonderful, and it corresponds directly with this prophetic name that Isaiah gives, uh, his name shall be wonderful. This is the first prophetic uh, announcement of, of the name of Christ by Isaiah, and Jesus would live out that name in his life and his labors. A fellow named Archbishop Trent says it is, and this is kind of uh, it, it, you got to listen closely. I, I had to read this two or three times to get it. But it is not wonderful that he whose name is wonderful does works of wonder. The only wonder would be if he did them not. And then he uses in his illustration, he said, The sun in the heavens is itself a wonder. But it is not a wonder that being what it is, it raised forth its affluence of light and heat. These miracles are the fruit after its kind which the divine tree brings forth. So the wonder of Christ is not the things that he does. The wonder of Christ is that would be if he didn't do the things he was made to do. He is wonderful. Was Jesus that was born in Bethlehem of Mary, was he worthy of this name, wonderful? Was he everything uh, about the term wonderful, incarnate? Was he, uh, or did he have defects like you and I have? Was he in any way uh, not wonderful? Well, when you study his life, you go through the Gospels, you go uh, through each one, uh, one at a time, verse by verse, you'll find out that his birth was wonderful. He's the only person ever to have been born without the agency of a human father. Now, Adam was created without a human father. He had a heavenly father, but he was not born of a woman because there was no woman yet on the face of the earth. So in his birth, his birth was wonderful. The only one to have had a human mother and no human father. The fruit of Mary's womb was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, and that is wonderful. And then you know what that means? It means Jesus had Mary's DNA, but not Joseph's. Because she was fully human, he came from her, but not with the agency of a human father. So his birth was 
wonder-filled, amazing. No other birth ever like it anywhere at any point in time. His person was wonderful. He was a combination, a unique combination of deity and humanity. Now, there are, there are someone says, well, there are all kinds of uh, pagan gods that were part human and part uh, deity, at least they claim that they were. What makes him unique? Because he was a combination of human humanity and deity, and he lived among people as the God-man and man-God, and he was robed in human flesh, and he never one time sinned. And he was it was proven. There are all kinds of witnesses to the fact of his existence, to observing him, to listening to him, uh, to touching him, to being around, imperial, uh, empirical rather uh, evidence that Jesus Christ existed and that he was a unique person. So his birth was wonderful. His person was wonderful. His teachings were wonder-filled. They were amazing. Uh, and many of the even the religious crowd, the Pharisees and Sadducees, would hear him, and one of them remarked, perhaps others did too, never a man spake like this man. No one's ever spoken like him before. He has this amazing ability. No scholar was as learned as was he. No sage was as wise as was he. No philosopher taught like Jesus taught. His words were eternal and life-giving, and he is without a doubt the most influential person to ever have lived in all of history. His teaching was wonderful. His character was wonderful. Never been anyone else like Jesus as far as his testimony. He was, he was never converted. He was never penitent. He never needed to be. He never sinned. So he doesn't have to repent. Uh, he doesn't have to be converted. No one can convict him of sin. He was holy. He was harmless. He was undefiled. He was separate from sinners, and this fact is wonderful. His character was wonderful. His works were wonderful. Everywhere he went, he did things that amazed the crowd. He could feed 5,000 at one time with a couple of loaves and fish. He could raise the dead. He could cause the lame to walk again. He could cause the blind to see. Uh, he could reverse any, uh, any kind of a situation. His works were wonderful. He had absolute power over what we call nature, which is actually his creation. He had absolute power over disease. He had absolute power over all governments. He had absolute power over Satan. Satan is no match for Jesus the Christ. He had absolute power over death, and his works were wonderful. And by the way, someone says power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Not true. Power does corrupt humanity, but absolute power is only found in one person, and that's in God, and it never corrupts him. He is never, ever corrupt. His works were wonderful. His death and resurrection were wonderful, but note this. Had Jesus died, and by the way, had Jesus died in a way other than by shedding blood. Had he died by drowning? Had he died by being suffocated? Had he died a dozen different ways that we could perhaps think about right here? It would not have satisfied. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So his death required shedding of blood, and shed blood he did. When he was beaten with the cat of nine tails till his back was open and raw and bleeding copiously. When he was crowned with thorns, producing blood in his scalp. When he was uh, nailed to the cross, uh, thereby emitting blood from his hands and his feet. When the th spear was thrust into his side and forthwith came blood and water. He did shed his blood. But even his death 
done in the scriptural manner by the shedding of blood, even that would not be sufficient if it were not for the resurrection. If he were a dead savior, he'd be no different than Confucius or Stalin or Mao Zedong or anybody else who's in a grave somewhere. Uh, but note well, his death and resurrection uh, was effectual. Uh, and, and if it were not, it would have been disastrous, terrible, catastrophic, and anything but wonderful. If there were no resurrection, we would still be hopeless. We would be in our sins or maybe even in hell today. His resurrection was wonderful. And his second coming is wonderful. What you guys sang about, the second advent of Jesus Christ. I'm ready for it. I don't know about you. I'm ready to go. I, I, would rather, I hope he comes before tax day. Um, I, I, I am ready to go. I, yeah, let's, let's, let's fire it up. I, I, Chris, Christmas, the first advent, the rapture is the second advent. First Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about it in some detail. But one of these days, the trumpet will sound, the shout, and the voice of the archangel will be heard, and the dead in Christ will rise. And then we who are alive will be changed in the moment in the twinkling when I, we're all going to be caught up. And, and this second advent is going to be an absolute blast. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be wonderful. You know, I, I've told Pat, you know, the older I get, the more I'm, please come quickly, Lord Jesus. I, I, I don't want to go through, you know, the dribbling in my beard and, and uh, having to be carried from place to place. I don't even have a beard to dribble into yet. Uh, and it's pretty scraggly when it does come, so it's not a pretty sight. Uh, I just want, you know, right now, just for the Lord to sound even before Christmas. That'd be okay with me. The devil can have all the presents. I don't care. But his second coming is going to be wonderful. What a day that will be. The name is secret, wonderful, thy works and word declare, so full of grace and merciful, and thou dost deign to hear. His name is wonderful, but there is more. But wait, there's more. Counselor. He is wonderful, but he is counselor. The word counselor may conjure up all kinds of ideas in your brain. Maybe you've been to a marriage counselor. Maybe they were good. Maybe they weren't so good. Maybe they gave you sound advice. Maybe it wasn't really good advice. Maybe it was biblical in nature. Maybe it was very secular. But maybe you think about a school counselor or a marriage counselor or a school counselor. Maybe someone gave you direction when you were going into college and helped you figure out a path of education that would take you to the point you wanted to be, or a career counselor maybe, or a life coach or somebody like that, maybe they were helpful, maybe not so much. The Hebrew in Isaiah 9, 6 that's translated counselor means to advise or to give direction. And before his martyrdom, the Apostle Paul said, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Paul's job, Paul tried, Paul endeavored to give the incomplete uh, counsel of Almighty God, the direction of the word of God to, the, to his fellow countrymen. Paul preached the will of God. He preached the purpose that God had in people being on this earth. And let me tell you something, God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. You may not realize that. You may think you're a nobody. You may think you don't count. You may think in the grand scheme of things, you, you just don't see any reason. And I, I've had people, many people, too many people tell me, I don't even know why I'm here, preacher. I don't know why I'm here. I don't have any purpose. I don't have any point in being here. I promise you that God has a purpose for every single person. 
in this world. And when we have fulfilled our purposes that God has ordained for us, then we'll be taken on to be with him. But he has a will for us. He has a purpose. He has an intention for our lives. Are you fulfilling God's purpose for your life? Scripture has much to say about counselors, good, bad, and ugly, as a matter of fact. In Proverbs eleven fourteen, where no counsel is, the people fall. I think in some translations it said, where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, in this particular translation, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is what? Safety. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. When you come to making big decisions, you need to make sure you're making the right decision. And there's nothing wrong with getting all the counsel you can get, all the godly counsel that you can get. Proverbs 24, 6 says, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. So kings going to battle needed to receive the counsel from Almighty God. They need to get direction. But we've got to be careful. Isaiah 47, verse 13, Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Now, wait a minute. It says there's safety in a multitude of counselors in a couple of different places. And then Isaiah says there's, you're wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. But it goes on saying this. Let the astrologers and the stargazers and the monthly prognosticators stand up and save thee from these things that shall come upon thee. Behold, they shall be a stubble and the fire shall burn them and they shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. So you see there's a difference in godly counsel and a difference in secular counsel. Secular pe people see things from a, from, not from a Christian world viewpoint, but from a secular world viewpoint. And, and so they, 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 don't, they don't agree with the counsel that would come from the word of God. In fact, the very first Psalm, Psalm 1, 1 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Blessed are they who don't do those things, who don't get advice uh, from carnal people, from worldly people, from secular people, from people who don't know the Lord, from people who are not in the word of God. In 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 11, a false prophet was named Zedekiah, and he prophesied that the then king of Israel and allied with the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, that they would defeat the Syrians. But it was bad counsel. And Micaiah, the prophet, exposed it, and guess what? Israel was routed, and the king uh, of the Northern Federation died as a result of it. Moses, on the other hand, was given great counsel by his father-in-law, who, who observed that Moses was getting up early and staying up late, all the while giving counsel and governing the people of Israel. And uh, his father-in-law said, this is not good. Jethro said, you need to single out. Uh, godly men, people who will be able to give good and wise counsel and appoint them to help you in this in Exodus chapter 18. And he did that, and that was good and wise counselor. However, of all the counselors, whether it's Moses, whether it's the Apostle Paul, whether it's the godly counselor that you know uh, who helped you with your marriage, helped you in school, whatever it was, there's no one like Jesus. No one equal to him. He is a counselor without equal. In Isaiah 25, 1, O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee, I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels are of old and are faithfulness and truth. His counsel is exactly what we need. In Ephesians 1, 11, 
in whom we have attained an inheritance, being predestinated according to what? According to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. And God's counsel, Christ's counsel, is immutable. What does immutable mean? It means unchanging. It's ever the same. Uh, this world changes. What's right, what was right a few years ago is, is wrong now. What was wrong a few years ago is right now, at least according to a lot of authorities, authorities in quote marks. But the counsel of Almighty God is unchangeable, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. His counsel never, ever changes. How do we figure out the counsel of God? How do we know what God wants you to do regarding your career? You guys and gals in the Navy, uh, are you going to stay there and make a career out of it? Or, or and, and that may be God's will for your life. How do you figure that out? Maybe he's got something else in mind for you. How do you know that? Maybe you're dating someone and you're saying, oh, I wonder if this is the one. I wonder if she's the one. Well, how are you going to figure that out? You better, you're going to look at her eyes and she's going to bat those eyelashes and, and, and you're going to make a decision based on that? It's not, it's not, that's not the way to do it. There's, there's other uh, counsel available and this is the main book of counsel right here. This is the best uh, counseling book there is in the whole wide world, er, ever will be, right here, the scripture. You want to know the will of God for your life, get into the word of God. I cannot, I, I can't overemphasize this, that when I get into the Word, every day I get into the Word of God, every day God gives me direction, God affirms things, God helps me know things, God corrects things, God, His Word makes a difference in my life. It is that which gives me direction. The Word of God reveals the very mind of God. Look, in the Old Testament, God spoke from a burning tree or bush or, or he spoke out of the heavens or he walked in the garden with Adam. or I mean, they were able to hear the voice of God. I don't hear the voice of God in an audible voice. Now, some people claim to do that. Uh, that's between them and, and God. I, I don't know, but I, I don't hear. I don't do, that's not how I get it. You know how I get the word of God and, and his will and his purpose for my life is right here in this book. The word of God reveals the mind of God. Psalm 119.2, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with their whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Paul declares God's counsel uh, in the letters that he wrote to Rome and to, to Ephesus and to Thessalonica and to Colossia and, and to all those uh, all the places, all the letters that he wrote, he's giving the counsel of Almighty God. Scripture uncovers Satan's schemes. Scripture helps us to know what to watch out for. Uh, Satan teaches us how to live our lives, how to make decisions. Uh, the Scripture tells us of the goodness of God. It's through Scripture that we know how to be born again. It, how do you get to heaven? You find it out in the Word of God. This book, is amazing. So scripture is one way. You want to know the perfect will of God for your life? Get in the book. Secondly, providence, or we might say circumstances. If you want to be a little, yeah, but, and there, there is a difference, of course, but, but divine providence or circumstance, divine circumstances help guide us. 
um, it, there are certain things that you just can't do. If, if, I, if I said, you know what, God wants me to be uh, a, a fighter pilot. I just know he wants me to be a fighter pilot. So I'm going to go down there and rent a plane uh, and I'm going to fly it. Uh, circumstances would dictate that would be a really foolish decision. And if anybody rented a plane to me, that would be a really foolish decision on their part because I don't even know the first thing about flying a plane. I don't. And, and so circum that's the kind of thing circumstances would prohibit. Uh, if you said, I'm going to be a missionary to, um, to uh, Iran right now, uh, uh, and I'm going to go over there and, and I'm going to start preaching right in the city square, right in, right in the main town, uh, the circumstances, you might do that for like, you know, maybe five minutes or four minutes or might be a really short sermon and uh, because circumstances. So there's providence, the so circumstances that help guide us. They're not as reliable as the word of God sometimes. So you, you get what, what's here, what this says is accurate and, and is true. Uh, circumstances kind of are there to help us understand uh, the decisions that we need to make. There, there is the divine hand that controls everything. So sometimes he allows circumstances. Uh, for example, I was in college studying a certain course of study uh, in my second year of, of, of college, and God called me to preach. I, I didn't hear an audible voice, but guess what? I was in the Word of God. I was reading from Matthew chapter 9. Uh, and I was reading at the end of that where the Bible talks about the Lord of the harvest uh, need to send forth laborers in the field. Pray that the Lord of the harvest does that. And it's as if God spoke to me. And circumstances, along with the word of God, circumstances were such that I could stop what I was doing. I was going to go ahead and finish that semester. But I could stop that course of study. And I could transfer and go to a Bible college and then start down that road with, with a toward a certificate or a, 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 a diploma from a Bible college so that I could be in ministry and do whatever God wanted me to do. So circumstances were favorable to doing what I needed to do. So this divine hand controlled that. In fact, by him, all things are created that are in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things are created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So the hand of God worked in my life making provision, providence, so that I could then obey the voice of the Lord in doing what God told me to do. The divine voice assures our hearts. In Proverbs 1.20, wisdom cries without. She utters her voice in the streets. She cries in the gate, a chief place of the concourse, in the openings of the gate in the city. She utters her words. A divine word provides hope. All things work together for the good to them of God. So you've got, you've got the word of God, which gives us direction and purpose and shows us why we're here and what we're supposed to do. You've got circumstances or providence that would lend uh, toward making that decision and making that work out. And the third thing is the Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit that lives within us giving us direction, affirming direction, helping us to know what we need to be doing. Uh, and so Paul taught us to be led by the Holy Spirit, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And, and often uh, this is by an answer to prayer. So in my particular case, um, when, I, when I saw what God had written, when it spoke to my heart, when I felt like God was calling me, circumstances were such, I could go ahead and make this change and pursue this course of action, I began praying, God, is this what you want? 
God, are you really calling me? I had no desire to be a pastor before that. I never thought about being a pastor before that. I thought about being a lot of things, but not a pastor before that. I had friends who had never thought of me as being a pastor before that, ever. Some of them have trouble believing it now. What can I say? But the Holy Spirit affirmed that that's what he had for me. So through the word of God, through the circumstances of life, through the affirmation of the Holy Spirit of God, uh, then God gave a direction that changed my entire life. Where would I be if it weren't for the word of God and the circumstances of life that God allowed me to work through and the leading of the Holy Spirit of God? I'd be making my own decisions. And I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't very good at making my own decisions. But in God and with his counsel, it makes all the difference in the world. In the wise counsel of Jesus is found the perfect will of God and the peace that passes all understanding. I can't imagine, as crazy as this world is, I can't imagine not having the peace of God. People, I mean, everything from COVID to new respiratory, whatever, to the flu, to uh, inflation, to, uh, you know, I, I mean, the unrest in this world, to, I mean, just everything, the violence, the people punching people out, you know, homeless people downtown in the gas lamp district just for no reason other than they happen to be there. Uh, I mean, crime, all of that. I can't, how could you have the peace of God? If you didn't know him, if you didn't have his word, if you didn't have him leading your life, if you didn't have the Holy Spirit giving you that peace and that comfort. Jesus is the wonderful counselor indeed. In counsel thou art mighty, Lord keep me ever near. May thine own presence guide me, then I have naught to fear. Now deign my counselor to be, and may I live my will in thee. You know what I want my will to be? Whatever God's will is. Whatever God's will is, that's what I want. That's what we ought to desire. Blessed are those who walk now in the counsel of the ungodly. But we are blessed when we walk in his counsel. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our Father, we bow before you right now. Lord, I'm, I go back to that time, January year 1966, when I thought I had my life planned, decisions I was making, I thought were the things that would bring me happiness. And I'm so thankful that you intervened. And I'm so thankful that you had a purpose and a will and a plan for me and for my life that I had no idea about before then. I'm thankful you spoke to me through your word. I'm thankful that you arranged circumstances so that I could do what you were leading me to do. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit affirmed that and guided me and directed me and kept me from making the wrong decisions. Father, I pray the same now for every person listening to this in this auditorium, those that are listening at home. I pray, God, that we would be willing to say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. God, show me what you want me to do. God, help me to make the right decisions in life 
God, give me your counsel, your direction, your guidance, your help. Lord, you're a wonderful God. You're a counselor. You are all I need. Bless us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? And as we stand together, if the Lord spoke into your heart, there's something you need to pray about, something you want us to pray with you about. If you need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior right now, please come up here. Guys, I'll talk to you and show you the Word of God, how you can be born again, how you can have your sins forgiven before you leave. Just take a few minutes. My wife's right down here. She'll help the ladies. So as we sing, our praise team sings the invitation. It's open to you. Please come and do whatever it is God wants you to do as they sing right now. Come on. God go with you and bless you. Remember to remember him. That's what Christmas is all about. And uh, drive safely and come back soon or fly safely. Either way, I will not be flying your plane. You can rest assured. So now Fitz might, but I won't be doing that. Uh, if you are going to be in town, four o'clock on Saturday, our candlelight service, Christmas Eve service will be a short probably a little bit less than an hour service, and then Christmas Sunday at 10 a.m., uh, talking about the birth of the baby Jesus. Mm -hmm. Our Father, we pray you'd go with us, and Lord, we thank you for what you mean to us. We're thankful for the wonder, uh, the wonder-filled God that we serve. Lord, you're amazing in every single way, and God, we're so thankful that you're a counselor. You haven't just created us and left us here to kind of wander around and try to figure life out. You've, you've left us here with purpose. You have a reason for us being here. Lord, may we discover it. May we fulfill it to the best of our ability. 
Go with us now. Give us a great week, a safe week, we pray. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. May God bless you. Thank you for being in God's house today.